Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Well, it certainly wasn't the place that anybody expected something big to happen. It's just not what they anticipated. If you were going to do something big, you wouldn't do it there. You would maybe plan for some place like Rome, because that was at the very center of the empire. I mean, the, the Roman emperor was there. Or maybe a place like Cairo with all of its history. Maybe a Mediterranean seaport that would have had commerce and, and had the, the beauty of that place. Or, or most likely Jerusalem, right? You'd have picked a place of great religious significance like Jerusalem. And yet, in the midst of all of this, that's not where it happened. It happened at some little tiny town, a still silent little town. And yet, for some reason, in this little obscure dark corner of the world... That's where the biggest night in history happened. And, and it didn't happen to the most significant of people. I mean, they weren't politicians. They weren't power brokers. They weren't entertainers. They weren't the kind of people that you would think would gather a lot of attention. They, they were actually just normal people. In fact, to many, they, they would kind of be considered subnormal. Oftentimes in the Jewish faith, people would have considered them actually to be inferior and if I were the one that were setting the whole thing up, I wouldn't have done it the way that it was done. If you want to make an announcement, if you want to make a splash, right, if you want to do something big, you're not going to do it in the middle of the night. You're not going to do it out in the middle of nowhere. You're going to find a very strategic place in order to do it so that as many people as possible could hear and understand and find out. And yet it happens in this dark, little, obscure place. It just doesn't make sense to me, but it was exactly the way that God wanted it to be. The first Christmas. Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 8, we read, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. See, they're, they're out in the fields, even outside of Bethlehem, not even in Jerusalem. The big city was six miles away, and there they were out there. Now, look, at the risk of offending somebody, I think we can relate to this maybe more than we realize. I just, I'll make this statement. I don't mean to, to be you know, cruel or anything, but you know that Toledo is not like the cultural center of the world, right? You know that? Like, it's just, it's just a normal place, right? New York has all the big deals, and, and L.A., Hollywood has all the movie stars, and Washington, D.C. has all the politicians, and Toledo? Toledo's just kind of normal Toledo, right? In fact, a lot of people will sometimes make Toledo the butt of their jokes. Can I tell you this? I love living in normal Toledo, and I read my Bible. My Bible says you will do better in Toledo. I don't know if it's in the Bible. I read it somewhere. I read it somewhere, right? And this is what I think is important for you to know. We're normal people, right? In a pretty normal place. Christmas comes to normal people in normal places. 
That's where it happened. That's how God set up that first Christmas, that first announcement to normal people in a normal place. And I hope that's an encouragement to you. If you're sometimes wondering, does, does God have anything planned for normal me? Yeah, he sure does. In fact, let's take it one more step. If you look at that story, look at when it happened. It happened at night. It happened in a dark place, in a dark time. Not just at that moment physically, but if you think of that moment politically, if you think of that moment historically, it was a dark time for the Jewish people. They were under the oppression and rule of the Roman Empire, and in the middle of that, financially, historically, politically, in every way, it was a dark time for them. People were struggling. They were looking for someone who would come and make a difference. And the truth is, is as you think about this, this is important. Because Christmas is not just for normal people, but Christmas comes to people in dark places at dark times. For many of us, we, we look at the season that we live in, the time of life that we live in, and a lot of people feel like it's a dark time in our world right now. I was watching the news the other day and, and scrolling through some news on my phone, and I just, I just stopped. I just, I just didn't want to see it anymore, right? Because we live in a time where there's so much tension, global tension, political tension, racial tension, financial tension. A lot of you may even say it's, it's a really dark time. So maybe we can relate a little bit more than we realized to what was going on 2,000 years ago. Back to the story, Luke chapter 2, verse 9. It says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Let me, let me ask you a couple of questions about this. Number one, why an angel? Why is it that God would send an angel? Well, the truth is, when you read through Scripture, you see over and over again that angels are used as messengers from God. So when God has a message that he wants to communicate, a big message, he will oftentimes use an angel in Scripture to do it. And this, this is the biggest message he's ever communicated, so it makes sense that he sends an angel. It says that the glory of the Lord shone around him. So, so you get the idea that there's this bright light. Why? Why, why did it shine? Well, the reason that light was there, again, if you go back and look in Scripture, when God made himself known, when, when his presence was there, often in scripture you see it comes in the physical sense of this bright light. So in that moment, God is showing that he is sending his messenger and his presence is shining. His presence is there. This is a big deal. You've got the angel. You've got the light. Here's a third question. Why were they afraid? Wouldn't you be? Right? An extraterrestrial shows up in front of you and there's this bright light shining. I've seen that movie. It's freaky, right? So no wonder they're scared. Watch what happens next. Verse 10. But the angel said to them, I love these opening words, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. He says, look, don't, don't be afraid. Shepherds, there's, there's a lot of things in, in this life to be scared of, but God's messenger with God's message for you isn't a cause for you to have fear. It's a cause for you to have peace. Look, on this Christmas Eve, I don't know what about the next, I don't know, 48 hours or so might scare you. For some of you, it might be driving in the snow. For some of you, it might be that aunt you have to see tomorrow that you haven't seen in a while, and she's just always scared you. Anybody? Do you know what I mean? Maybe for some of you, your shopping's not done, and you're terrified because of that. Like, there's a lot of things we can be scared of, but this message, it's, it's not one of them. God sent his messenger, the angel, with his presence to communicate 
that they didn't need to fear because this message is all about peace. Christmas is God's message to you that his presence brings peace. And for some of you, you you may be at a time and place in your life where peace is what you do not feel that you have. And this Christmas, God would want to remind you that that's at the very heart of this story, that Christmas is God's message to you that his presence, which that's what Christmas is about. He, He brought his presence to earth, that his presence brings peace. Back to verse 11, Luke chapter 2. The angel says, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Man, is that verse packed, right? Because you have these three titles that are given to this baby that's been born. He's the savior, he's the Messiah, he's the Lord. Those are really significant. Here's here's a couple of reasons why. At this time in the Roman Empire, there is an emperor And the people in the Roman Empire would look not just up to their emperor as the ruler. They actually considered him to be a deity. Like if he wasn't a god, he was at least godlike, and they treated him in that way. And it was required that you worship the emperor. And so on his birthday, one of the things that they would do is they would celebrate. And what they would say, the affirmation that they would speak to the emperor on his birthday, they would say that he was both savior and lord. So those are loaded words culturally for them. And so when the angel says that a savior has been born to you, that's really significant because they had thoughts that would come to mind, not just for those in the empire at that time, but consider those that were Jewish at that time because there were prophecies about a savior who would come. And so when the angel showed up to to Matthew, now this is, excuse me, to Joseph, this is in the book of Matthew. In Matthew chapter one, verse 21, here's what the angel said. He said, Mary will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That, that last three words there would have thrown him a curveball because they were looking for a savior. They were looking for someone who would come and allow the Jewish people to be free from Roman oppression. They were looking for a political leader. They were looking for a military leader. But when the angel said, he's coming to save you from your sins, that would have been a little bit different. They knew that they needed someone to save them. They just didn't fully understand it. And here's what I want you to see, not just historically, not just politically. Jesus came to be a savior personally. Every person needs a savior. No matter who you are, no matter what your story is, every person needs a savior. And scripture says that we need that savior to save us from our sins. Why sin? Why is that such a big deal? Well, what is sin? Sin is whenever you and I do something, we, we make a decision, there's an action, there's a choice, there's a thought, there's, there's words that we speak that somehow are not God's best for us. It's when we choose to do our own thing instead of doing God's thing, and the Bible calls that sin. And when we sin, the, the reason that sin's so dangerous is because there's consequences that come with it. I mean, if you think about it, for all of us, I, I'm sure you can come up with something that you go, I made some decision and I, and I have a regret because of it. I wish I hadn't done that. The problem with sin is it's, it's not just regret, but oftentimes it comes with guilt. It comes with shame. In fact, some of us, we, we may live with the consequences, with the shame that comes because of our sin. And we wonder, is there anything we can do about it? What, what makes it even worse is the Bible says that the result of sin, because of sin, it leads to death. And the reason that there's illness and there's sickness and there's tragedy and that there's physical death in this world, the Bible says it's because of sin. Take it one more step further. That death then leads into eternity. 
See, there's, there's this thing that we cannot control. Death is our ultimate enemy. The Bible says all of us will face it no matter who you are, and you can't do anything about it. At some point, death's gonna come for each of us, and we're powerless against that. For many of us, it's our greatest fear, and what do we do with that? Because that death is physical. Someday our life will stop, but it's also spiritual where sin keeps us from God, and ultimately, not just in this life, when, when we look for hope and when we look for peace, but the truth is after this life, sin will separate us from God. And that's why sin is so dangerous. That's why at some point, what the Bible tells us is you need someone to save you from your sins. The problem is that oftentimes, I don't, I don't want somebody to save me from my sins. I just, I just want somebody to just fix what's going on. I'm just looking for a solution. I just want someone to come in, and, and I know what's messed up in my life. I just, I just want somebody to fix it. How, how am I going to fix my marriage? How am I going to fix my kids? How am I going to fix my finances? Look, I, I don't know why you're here today. Maybe you're here today because you're, just, you're always in church on a Sunday. Maybe you're here today because it's, it's Christmas Eve, and it's just traditional for you to be here. Maybe you're here today because somebody in your life said, no church, no gifts. It happens, right? <laughs> so that may be why some of you are here. I don't know why you're here. But I do know this, that for some of you, no matter why you're here, maybe you're sitting there going, well, God, maybe you can fix it. God, maybe you can just fix this thing that's going on in my family. God, maybe you, you can just fix this, this challenge that I have, this issue that I'm facing, this person, my school, my work, my health, my thoughts. God, maybe there's somewhere that you can fix it. And we look for God just to fix it. All I need is a solution to my problem, and then I'm going to be okay. Let, let's talk about this in, in, in an analogy for just a moment. Let's say you're driving your car. You're driving your car, and you're going down the street, and all of a sudden your car just dies, and you're on the side of the road, and you got to get somewhere, but you're stuck. What are you going to do? Well, you know you got to get it to a mechanic so they can fix it. So you call up the towing company, and the towing company rolls up, and Joe, the tow truck driver, gets out, and he pulls your car up on the back of that flatbed, and he says, all right, where do you want to go? Where do you need to be? Because I will now drive you around wherever you need to go. You hop back in your car. You sit up there, ma'am. You sit up there, sir, and I'll just take you where you need to go. And you're going to say to Joe, Joe, I don't need a chauffeur. I need a mechanic. I need somebody who's going to fix what's wrong. I need what's broken to be restored. And Joe says, yeah, but I can just fix it for you. I can just get you where you need to go. And that might work for a little while, but that's not the, the, the fix. I need something to be restored so that my car can move forward. I need you to, you to get me to somebody who actually knows what's wrong with me and then actually can fix it, not just fix it, but restore it and make it true and take what's broken and save it. And oftentimes we want Jesus to just be the one who fixes us. And he doesn't just fix us, he saves us. He's the only mechanic that knows what's wrong with us. And it's our sin. And until we deal with that in our lives, our lives are not gonna move forward. You're just, you're just stuck in a place. Here's the beauty of it. When you decide to let him be your savior, that means the one who gives forgiveness to your sin. It changes your life in such a way that you know what starts to happen? Then your marriage, then your work, then your school, then your finances. Things are seen in a different light. They move in a different way. But it doesn't start with the fix. It starts with who he is. Here's the reality. You don't need a solution. You need a savior. You, you don't need somebody to just help you with a problem. What I need is somebody to literally change my life because then once I've dealt with that issue of sin, then my life can begin to move forward. And for some of you, that, that's the most important thing you'll hear today. 
what you need is someone who will be your savior. Let me, let me take that car analogy one more step. There's two words that are used in that passage. The angel said that Jesus came to be the savior and he came to be the Lord. Now that's a powerful word. And if you use that car analogy, it means that Jesus isn't just your mechanic who you let fix your car. It means you scoot over in the passenger seat and you let him sit in the driver's seat of your life. That, that you give him the steering wheel of your life and you say, God, I realize not only can I not fix this, but I don't want to drive it. I want you to drive it. I want you to give me purpose. I want you to give me meaning. Because I can tell you from personal experience, until you get in that passenger seat, you're just going to be frustrated in the driver's seat. But when you let him take the steering wheel, it brings peace and it brings joy. It brings a change to your life. More on that in a minute. Let's go back to the story. Luke chapter 2, verse 12. The angel says... This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. All right, a uh, little pop Christmas quiz. A baby that is wrapped in cloths, is that normal or abnormal? That's normal, right? It's what you do with a newborn baby. A baby placed in a manger, normal or abnormal? <laughs> Weird, right? That's not what you do which would help the shepherds to be able to find this baby, especially if you're a shepherd, because you know what a manger looks like, right? Verse 13, suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Man, what a choir. Those angels show up and they sing and they say that both in heaven and in earth, Jesus is gonna make everything right, and then we get to verse 15. Don't check out on me yet, because I think verse 15 might be the most important verse today. Watch this, verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Can you imagine this? They see an angel, then they see an angel choir, and then they hear this news, and then all of a sudden the angels are gone, and the shepherds are just left standing there, and they got to be like, wow, nobody's ever going to believe this. This is such a cool story. And one of them says, we ought to go look for that kid. And a couple of the shepherds go, I don't know. I don't know if we should go. Like, somebody's got to watch the sheep, right? It'd be irresponsible for us to go. And it's late, and it's dark. And we don't know how far it's going to be. And it's cold. I'd rather just be here around the fire. And once we get there, you know, a newborn's mom, she's not really going to want us ringing the doorbell. She's going to think we're the Amazon guy. You know, well, like, like, I don't know if we should go this late. And they start talking themselves out of it. How many times have you talked yourself out of something that you really should do? Anybody? And then all of a sudden, a couple of shepherds will be like, are you kidding me? This was an angel. We've got to go. We've got to see this thing. Because they knew that when you talk yourself out of what you know you should do, you will live with regrets. Could you imagine being one of those shepherds who heard the story, who heard the news, and never went and found the baby? Which leads us, I think, to a real principle this year. Christmas is just a cool story if you don't find Jesus. The trees, the lights, the gifts, the food, the church service, it's all just a part of a cool story unless you find Jesus. Chad, what do, you, what do you mean when you say find Jesus? Well, I mean that you find him, and in your life you make him your, your savior and your Lord. 
For many of us, we've, we've done that. We can tell you stories of how he's changed our lives. For others of us, though, that when I use those words, when I say that he's your, your savior and your Lord, maybe you're at a point in your life where you just kind of go, well, I don't, I don't know about this. I'm not so sure what, what to do with Jesus. I'm gonna guess that for most of you, you've been to a Christmas Eve service before. You've heard a pastor some way talk about the fact that Jesus is the greatest gift this Christmas we see that's ever been given. And you have to decide, what do I do with that gift? And maybe you're not quite sure because maybe, maybe you've had some frustration or disappointment. Maybe you feel like God's let you down or maybe you feel like a church has let you down. And so when I talk about making Jesus your savior and your Lord, you say to yourself, I'm not so sure that's a gift that I want to open because I'm not so sure what's inside. This Christmas, there's a young mom in the state of Oregon who had had some packages delivered to her, to her front porch, and she realized, you know, you can, you can track and see where the, where the package is, and she saw that the package had been delivered, but it wasn't on her porch, and she came to realize that somebody was stealing packages off her porch. The last straw was when somebody stole a pair of pajamas that a family member had sent for her brand new baby. And she said, I have had enough. So she decided to make up her own package. And so she took a box, she loaded it with some stuff, she put a note on top, she taped it back up, she made it look like it had come from Amazon and left it on her porch and within a day, somebody had stolen that package. And inside the package, when the thief opened it up, they would have opened it up and inside there was a note that said, this is for you, you thief. And underneath the note were 12 of her baby's dirty diapers. Isn't that awesome? I love that story. I love that mom. When you open a gift, you never know what it's going to be. So when I say make Jesus your Savior and Lord, you say, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. Let me tell you what comes with that. I want to repeat for you the words of the angel. Because the angel said that Jesus brings peace in place of fear. And for some of us, you, you may know fear in your life right now. There's things that are causing you worry or anxiety. And I'm not saying that your circumstances are going to completely change. I'm just saying that in the midst of your circumstances, Jesus can bring peace. And Jesus gives the good news instead of bad. And we all face bad news, but he is the good news. He is the gospel. And Jesus brings good news instead of the bad. And Jesus offers joy in times of dread. I know what it's like to have dread or doubt or depression. And when those times come, I'm not saying they're not real. I'm just saying Jesus can come and he can bring joy in the midst of that. The reason he can is because Jesus has come to save us. He's not just a solution to your problem. He is the savior of your life. And you'll find this out when you realize that Jesus has come to make a difference. He's come to set us free. Jesus has come to save us. And the reality is you will never experience Christmas unless you experience Jesus. Like December 26th will come and it's all over. And you got to wait a year for it to come back. And the truth is you will never really experience Jesus unless you make him your savior and make him your Lord. And that's when Christmas becomes so much more real. Back to the story, Luke chapter two, verse 16. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
A lot of interesting words there that Luke uses to describe this. He says, they spread the word that they were amazed, that Mary treasured, that she pondered. There's some things that when they happen to us, they just mark us. They become a part of the story of our lives. And we're prone to tell these things over and over and over again. They, they just become our story. I was working on this message at home, and I was in one room, and Rhonda was in the other. And I was thinking things through, and so I just kind of hollered out to Rhonda. I said, hey, Rhonda. You, you know that story about me in the sixth grade and silver bells? Have I ever told that in church? And she says to me, this is exactly, she goes, yes. Which that tone isn't just factual, it's a point. It's like, don't tell that story again, right? It was that kind of thing. Sorry, Rhonda. So here's what happened. When I was in the sixth grade, my elementary school was kindergarten through the sixth grade, and we had our Christmas program, and my class of sixth graders were supposed to sing that song, Silver Bells. Do you know Silver Bells? Silver Bells. You know the song, right? And there was a part where somebody, just one person from our class, was going to play like this little like xylophone-type bell thing so that when all the kids sang, Silver Bells, somebody would go, bong, bong, bong. One kid was going to get picked to do it. Guess what kid got picked? Go ahead. You guess. You guess. What kid? It was me, yeah, good guess. Yeah, it was me. I got picked. Mrs. Patrick said, Chad, do you want to play the bells? I was like, yes, ma'am, I will. And so when that time come, lights come up on our class, all those commoners over there singing, silver bells. One kid, bung, 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 precise and exact. So every time the song Silver Bells comes on, I don't care if we're at home, we're in the car, whatever, I go, kids, have I ever told you about the time in the sixth grade when our class sang Silver Bells? And our kids are like, yes, yeah, stop telling that story. Just this year, one of my kids goes, that's not even a story. It's just something that happened to you. Stop telling it. Well, guess what? A couple of things. One, it is a story. It has a beginning. It has a middle. It has an end. There's tension. There's drama. Right? It's a story. Second of all, I'm not sorry for telling you that again. You know why? Because it's my story. It's the story of when I mattered. It's the story of when somebody chose me. It's the story of when I counted. When somebody said, Chad, I'm going to do something. I'm going to give you a chance. Chad, I'm going to believe in you. And that's my story. And I'm going to tell it. And you know what? Every time from here on out when you hear silver bells, you know what you're going to think of? You are welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> And here's the deal with Christmas. The Christmas story is worth telling again and again and again. And do you know why? Because it's your story. It's the story of a time when you mattered. It's the story of a time when you counted. It's the story of a time when God said, I love you so much that I am going to do the unthinkable. I'm going to send my son to an obscure, dark little corner of the world, and I'm going to announce it to some of the most normal people that you've ever seen in a dark place and in a dark time because I want everybody to know just how much I love you. See, the reason we tell this Christmas story again and again and again is not just because it's a good story. We tell it because it's your story. It's a story about you and about how God wanted you to have peace and how he wanted you to have joy and how he wanted you to trade your good news in for that bad news so that you can have everything that he has for you because he loves you. This story is about you and not just about how he sent his son. It's about how his son came and lived a sinless life and then how his son died on a cross. Do you know why he died on a cross? He didn't die on a cross just so it could be a good story. He died on a cross for your sins. Let that one sink in for a minute. Somebody died for you and then he rose again and he lives today. 
And it's a story of how if you will make him your savior and your Lord, he can change your life. That's why we tell this story over and over and over again. Let's look at how the story ends. Luke chapter 2, verse 20. So the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Do you see how the story ends? (laughs) The story ends with December 26th with the shepherds, right back there with the sheep. Dark time, dark place, stinky sheep, different shepherds. See, they've been changed. It says they came back glorifying and praising God. See, they didn't just hear a cool story. They found Jesus. And when they realized that he was Savior and Lord, it changed their life forever Christmas is just a cool story unless you find Jesus. But if you find Jesus, it can change everything. I want you to to see a story today about a family who allowed Jesus to be their Savior and Lord, how they found Jesus, and how in finding Jesus, it, it changes everything. If you would, please, turn your attention to the screens. Well, I'm Sarah, and this is my husband, Adam, and we actually met in high school, so we are high school sweethearts. Yeah. However, we, we have experienced life. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it caught up to us, and it spiraled out of control. It was a Saturday. I had to work half a day that day, and... Um, and I come home, I came home to an empty house, and uh, Sarah just got fed up with everything and uh, took the kids and left. And, you know, I just, I knew right then that all my actions had finally caught up with me. I was an alcoholic. I drank all the time, every day. A day wouldn't go by where I wouldn't be drinking. And I didn't realize the effects that it was having on my family. I tried before to quit on my own, and I couldn't. January 11th, it was a Monday, and uh, I'm out at my machine at work, and I'm just wondering, what am I gonna do? What, I've, I've messed it all up. And uh, I, I remember leaning up against a, a tub there at work, and, uh, and I was just, God, what do I do? Inside of me, in my heart, I just hear this voice as loud, as, you know, as clear as me and you talking here today. That is, Adam, you know what to do, use your head. I went, you know, I was walking around and I was thinking to myself, like, man, God, why have you forsaken me with this problem? And in my heart again, I hear, Adam, I haven't forsaken you. I've always been there for you. You turned from me. You lived your own way. I just fell to my knees and asked for God's forgiveness and denounced the way that the devil had ruined my life. That day, I was healed from alcoholism. I haven't had a drop to drink since then. I went down into my um, office in the basement, had a Bible on the shelf that I had from since I was a kid. I got it out and I started writing Proverbs and I just started reading there. And, and everything just uh, started making sense. It's almost like it was highlighted on the pages as I read and I could just feel the change inside of me. It's nothing that I did because I couldn't do it. It was all through God's grace and his mercy. And then 
a few months later, we decided we were gonna get married and... I never understood the importance of marriage, but then as God worked on my heart, he really revealed it to me that, you know, I need to honor her. I mean, I, and it never would have worked hadn't God been the center of our lives and we made, you know, Jesus all part of it to hold us together. Today, I can say that as we put Jesus in the center of our family, it's, we can just feel the bond so much tighter with each other that it's, it's just unbelievable. I want to thank Adam and Sarah for sharing their story with us. And can I invite you just to bow your heads and close your eyes with me for a moment? Look, I, I know it's Christmas Eve, and uh, I know for some of you it's lunchtime. I know there's probably all kinds of things going on in your world, maybe even in your head right now. But the reason I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment is because is whether you're in this room or you're watching on a screen somewhere, I, I just want to challenge you to pause for a minute. Ask yourself the question, is Jesus my Savior and my Lord? Like we talked about the, the consequences of sin and the guilt and the shame that can come with that. Maybe you're, you're here today and you know that, that you've tried other things to kind of fill that emptiness in your life. And that nothing seems to work. I'll tell you that it's only through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He's, he's, he's Emmanuel. He's God with us. It's only through him that you can find that forgiveness. And with that, the peace and joy that, that you only find in Jesus. And maybe today you're sitting there and you, you say, I need him to be my savior. Or maybe you're sitting there and you think, maybe today's the day I need him to be my Lord. I've, I've maybe said that he was my savior, but I haven't let him sit in the driver's seat. I've been holding on to that steering wheel, and I realize that I don't want to do it anymore. That if Jesus came to be God with me, then I want him to be with me. I need him to be the one who gives purpose to my life. I've looked for adventure, I've looked for excitement, I've looked for meaning in other places, and they all come up empty, and you only find purpose and meaning in life through a relationship with Jesus Christ when you're willing to say, Jesus, I make you my Savior, and I make you my Lord. And today, I, I just want to pray a very simple prayer together. But if you're here, and, and you would say, Chad, today's the day, on this Christmas Eve, I want to mark it. I need to make Jesus my Savior and my Lord. I can't do it on my own anymore. I don't want to do it on my own anymore. I need Him to be the one who gives meaning and guidance to my life. I need to begin a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. If that's you, would you just raise your hand just right here? Nobody's looking around, just between you and God. If you say today, I need to begin or begin again a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you can lift your hand, raise it, and put it right back down just between you and God, but say today, I need to begin or begin again a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Anybody else? Just one more time. That's you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Awesome. Anybody else? Just want to pray with you. Say today, I need to begin or begin again that relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Just raise your hand. Awesome. Just going to ask you to do, if you raised your hand, or maybe if you know that you should have, where if you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord, would you pray this prayer with me?
dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus, for sending your Son to die for my sin. I ask today that you'd forgive my sin, be my Savior. I give my life to you and make you my Lord. This Christmas, may I know you as Emmanuel, God with me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, I'm, I'm gonna ask you, as you leave the auditorium today, you'll, you'll find a card that looks like this. It says, I have decided. If you take that to our Connection Center, we would love the opportunity to pray with you, maybe talk a little bit more with you about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. If you don't have a Bible that you can easily read and understand, we would love to put one in your hands as a gift. I'm gonna invite you to go ahead and stand with me if you would, please. And as we wrap up this, this Christmas celebration, we're gonna take time to sing one more time one of the classic Christmas songs that reminds us what this season is all about. Let's sing this song together.
you for a story of how you came to change everything. But it's more than just a cool story, Lord. You've allowed us to know you. You came to be our Savior and our Lord. And so I pray that this season we would be reminded of who you are and that we would find Jesus in this story that's about us. Now, Lord, as we go from here, we ask that you'd go with us. God, would you send us out with your special favor, with your wonderful peace. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.